So I went to the Renaissance Fair with Anna yesterday, right? Oh, tell me about that. How was the Ren Fair? Uh, it was nice. It was it was a pretty low key day. We didn't do a ton. We just kind of like walked around, saw a couple of shows. Uh, but but <laughs> you you want to hear you want to hear the tale of 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 w- the biggest note that I have about a show that I saw. The biggest note about a show that you saw. All right, hit it. Mm-hmm. Hit, hit me. Hit me. Wonder wonderful show a, a very perverse sexual innuendos like left and right hmm. uh the they're, they're they're the angels the heroines in disguise yeah um yeah yeah good show great show sounds uh, great but they had a bit yeah they had a bit though uh, mm. a bit about the the wood of a ship and you know they're making a bunch of sexually suggestive things about the hard wood that the ship was made out of hmm uh, and and one of the woods they named was cedar and it, it it gave me pause for a minute, and I was like, "That's a soft wood. That's that's not a that's not a hard wood." Now, come on, guys! If you're gonna make a joke about wood, you gotta get your, you gotta get. We live in Colorado. If you're, gonna, if you're gonna emphasize the hard wood, you can't throw a soft wood in there. Like oh it just took took me out of it. Just that's honestly, I think, reason enough to be executed by the yeah. wood treason court. Yeah, well, yeah, that's kind of the danger of uh, of making jokes like that when you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get some fucking lumberjacks to double check your work next time. <laughs> Sam Cedar! Oh, God, am I nightmare? <laughs> Have you seen that? <laughs> no. Oh, my God, it's the funniest thing. There's this, like, conservative commentator named Steven Crowder, and uh, H3 Podcast was, like, like it, 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 they, they had this beef with H3, and so they invited him to debate and that's literally just like this thing that he does to people that like he thinks that he can win against and he doesn't do it to anybody else. And so like this guy uh by the name of Sam Cedar has been like, "Okay, sure, I'll debate you." But like he's been chickening out every time because he knows that he's actually going to give him like a real <laughs> argument. And and yep. so instead he tries to go to this like like not a political commentator uh YouTuber to try to get him to enter the fucking political ring. And instead the first thing that happens during this live stream is uh, he just switches out himself for Sam Cedar, and Crowder goes crazy. Crowder is like, "This is an unhonest debate. I am not allowed. This is this is not this is you are dishonest. You are a piece of shit. Fucking you got him. And 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 it was just so amazing because he he just like he kept spinning himself up, and it was weird because he even like he was shuffling a little bit before he checked his phone, and he mentioned the fact that he checked the fact that he was live, and he was mm-hmm. live with a pre-recorded thing, and, and that's how why he thought that that sam cedar wouldn't be there but then he was <laughs> he's like i'm here That's baby so good and he's like i checked uh. and that even proves that he was he was aware of the possibility of it being a, a, a thing that would happen mm-hmm. and, and he still went through with it and was like oh oh my nightmare i can't believe this and there's this guy <laughs> um uh that did like this amazing animation of it i'll have to show it to you later uh yeah that sounds beautiful yeah, of of just like his nightmare and, 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 and like this is so vivid and done like I I don't know if it's like source film filmmaker or whatever, but like the expressions are so well done. Joe Rogan's in it and he's a monkey and he screams and talks about Avatar too. <laughs> uh, it's great. Uh, oh, I love it. Yeah, but <laughs> that that that's my update. That's yeah, that's that's great. Who are you? Hi, I'm David Baxter. I am a video game reviewer, I guess. 
and I'm Johnny Bartlett, and I'm your seer. Whatever that means is up to your interpretation, but... And we are the Bundle Bourgeoisie. The Bundle Bourgeoisie. Bu- bu- bourgeoisie. Bu- bourgeoises. Yeah. <laughs> and this week's games, we're covering right. the, the Humble Choice August yeah. Bundle this month. Uh, we, we got, got su- uh, six games for you. Yeah. For the first one. <laughs> We got super liminal. I just I figured I'd go through the long introduction because it's been like two months in case people forgot what this is all about. You know, yeah, that's a good idea. It's a really good idea. To We've do also that. got nowhere profit. <laughs> we got blue fire coming up later in the show, and then we got as far as the eye. Cepheus protocol is our second to last, and finally, Carto. Mm. We have more games to talk about later, but uh, that's what we're going to talk about for now. And to get started with that, we're going to de- delve into my mind palace. Delve Grab into a the, spoon and, and dip yeah, into this pie. The, the inner recesses of my mind pie uh, in Superliminal, a game <laughs> developed and published. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you like that? I feel that describes my brain so well. <laughs> I mean, it's baked to perfection. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> developed and published by Pillow Castle. This is their only game. They are a Seattle-based developer. This game is $20 plus $8 for the soundtrack or $24 if you want to buy it all together. You That's play... Yeah, I know. You play as a character stuck in a never-ending recurring dream cycle guided by the voice of your therapist, Dr. Glenn Pierce. And Dr. Glenn Pierce is not very good at his job. He's consistently sort of guiding you along your way, but he can't really interact with you in any meaningful way beyond just being a voice that tries to guide you through your dreams. And he reminds you constantly of what you shouldn't do. But the game only gives you a certain amount of things that you can do, and they are all the things that you shouldn't do. This feels like that stage in therapy where you're before going to therapy, but you're self-aware of what's going on and sort of like therapy in general. So you're trying to help yourself out through things, but none of it's working because you don't have an outside perspective. And you're just going deeper and deeper into the inner recesses of your mind until it becomes a a catatonic nightmare. But something in your mind is constantly telling you like, well, if I can't fix my issues, then how's another professional going to be able to? Because I'm aware of the issues and I'm trying to fix them. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, (laughs) There are some parts in this game where I was like, why? everything broken why is everything so distraught why is everything oh yeah it's my mind (laughs) uh but yeah it's your job to explore uh you kind of keep waking up from this bed in the doctor's office over and over again uh sort of like a stanley parable-esque loop where you keep starting from the beginning over and over again but things keep changing uh yeah the gameplay there's the main game and the level select that you get after you beat the game the story is divided into chapters based on these themes and concepts that are explored in each area. But the main mechanic, the one that the whole game is centered around, is this idea that perception is reality. And whenever you hold an object, the way that it manifests is uh, if, you, if you kind of place it further out in your vision, then it becomes larger. Whereas if you place it closer in your vision, then it becomes smaller. So, so if an object is far away and it appears big, then you bring it close to you and then it's actually really small. Or you have a really small object right next to you and then you put it really far away and then suddenly it's really big. So you use this to solve puzzles. Essentially, it's like a shrinking and 
enlarging mechanic, but it has a lot of really interesting applications and uses throughout the game. It explores that whole idea pretty thoroughly. Uh, for example, there is one part early on in the game. This is somewhat of a spoiler, but... Double spoiler warning. The following section contains two different areas of spoilers. One from the time frame of now to 9 minutes and 20 seconds, and the other from the time frame of 12 minutes and 30 seconds to 13 minutes. These are minor puzzle spoilers, but we will give another indicator right before the second spoiler via sound, just so you know it's coming. It's for a spoiler of a part of a game that other people get stuck on, so just keep that in mind. Uh, there's this part where you're just wandering around in this open area and then you look up and there's like a skylight and then you see a moon and you it's like, it's like the, the part at the end of portal where you look up and there's a moon and you're like, what if I shoot it? What if I shoot a portal on that? <laughs> and, and you grab it and then you yoink it down. And then there's like a, like a, a door on top of the moon that you have to then go into. And then you leads you further into your dream. Right. So, like, that, that's the kind of gameplay that you can expect from this game. It's kind of really trippy, make you think outside-of-the-box gameplay. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Really, really cool, especially the first couple of times that you use that mechanic. Uh, really, really bends your mind around. I don't know. Uh, I, I tried to think of a good adjective or something to put in there, but I'm probably going to cut all of this. Uh... <laughs> Once you beat the game, there are some extra modes available for you. There's a challenge mode where you have to complete the levels with a limited number of grabs and jumps. There's also a developer commentary mode where you get to run through the whole thing, just like a Valve game where you, you know, the developers are like, this is why we made this decision at this part of the game. It's interesting, isn't it? And I do like that a lot, especially if, if you like those kind of things. You'll probably enjoy that. And there's also this thing that's in development right now, which I tested out, called the somnoscope workshop it seems to be like they're trying to add in like uh user created levels but it's still very like in development right now it's not really ready to to be fully patented yet but i did import some uh like dot obj files that were outside of the game and actually put them in the game which is pretty cool okay yeah then you can make it really big (laughs) uh so the themes of this game it's like test in your mind you know what lingers in the dark pits of your mind dreams within dreams that inception shit uh and how dreams get successively like a little bit more trippy and insane the further into your subconscious you go and like okay uh <laughs> yeah uh also what you see is the truth is is just an idea that is explored that like what what does it mean that what you see is the truth and and sometimes the truth lie that like what what you see lies to you you know you'll see what appears to be a door and you'll walk towards it and it's actually a, an extended part of the geometry of the level that's like painted to look like wily e. coyote style like you can walk through it and then you hit it with your face and you're like oh it's a 3d object uh it's it's really interesting how it, it plays with you. And it's almost, it's comedic in that aspect without really having to be super hammy about it. It, it's mm-hmm. just, it just, it puts you in situations where you're like, oh, oh, I just, silly oh, me. I thought that was just, a door. <laughs> what? Oh, <laughs> and there are some parts that are a little spooky, but it never gets like overtly scary. Uh, 
the idea of some nitpicks that like the I, I would say that like the, the the scaling up and down of the uh the, the thing is a little bit as simple of a mechanic once you kind of get past the idea that of like the initial shock of how it works because essentially you just look down and you can shrink an object you look up you, you can make an object bigger just because of like the way that you know distance works things that are down or closer to you things that are up or further away from you generally and there's this one puzzle near the end that just sucks it's like this it plays in the whole perception is reality thing by giving you this hallway with two doors and you're supposed to go through the two doors in a way that you can not be stuck in this infinite loop of continuing to go through the two doors over and over again and Mm -hmm. you have to do that by like listening to a sound and then looking at a sign and determining from the sound and the sign which way you're supposed to go and it changes every time and i was stuck okay. there for so long it is so weird <laughs> but um yeah i i'd say that this is a saver i really enjoyed this experience i think that if you enjoy these like mind-bending style of a puzzle game sort of like portal you'll definitely enjoy it uh, i know that i i, I shat on uh super lim- or not super liminal Fuck. Uh, I shot on... Yeah, Light Matter. I, I shot on Light Matter a lot, because the gameplay of it was, like, really kind of basic, and it's just like, the shadows make darkness that you fall into! And it just did lead to very compelling core, core gameplay, whereas this, it's just very compelling to grab something and then it just rapidly shifts and changes, and there's all of these, like, kind of uh, shifts to the core gameplay gimmick throughout as you go. Like you, sometimes you can't actually grab an object; you can just duplicate it a bunch by clicking on it, and you have to figure out how to solve a puzzle only by duplicating objects. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, uh, it's very very fun. I enjoyed it a lot, and I think you should give it a shot. I think it's one of the standouts of this bundle. Hell yeah! Uh, perhaps the next one might be a uh, 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 hold a candle to this one, or perhaps it will play second fiddle. We'll have to find out. You went nowhere with that segue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nowhere profit. Our next game from Shark Bomb Studios. Nice. Uh, they've I'm done glad. no other games, uh, but it was published by No More Robots, who also did Family Man, Yes, Your Grace, and Not Tonight. This game will cost you uh, twenty four ninety nine outside of the bundle, uh, and if you're like me, you'll buy it on sale for like $14 a week before the bundle drops it. Uh, but you know i'm not bitter whatever (laughs) Uh, and this is a roguelike deck builder so for those who may be unfamiliar with the genres of roguelike and deck builder it's you know it's got concepts like permadeath uh, a sort of like separate progression mechanic through your runs so they get easier as you go sort of uh, and it's a deck builder, so you build decks with cards. That one's kind of self-explanatory. Can't help you much more if you don't know that one. Um, I, I'm feeling a little sassy, I think, today. <laughs> I'm just, like, shitting on the listener. Like, you don't know what a fucking deck builder is. Go somewhere else. Like, go to fucking Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, fucking idiot. Dude, what are you doing listening to a video game podcast and you don't even know what video games are? Uh, so to to explain the gameplay of this game a little bit, because there's a lot to explain in the gameplay of this, uh, just because like deck builders and you know everyone's gonna be curious how the the sort of deck building and everything is. This you have two decks that you build. 
one of them is your followers, and one of them is your leader deck. Your leader deck gets cards as you level up, and every time you level up, you can add a card to it, and you can remove a card from it. So you can sort of like fine-tune how many cards are in that deck, sort of, uh, and sort of the structure of your leader powers. Your leader powers change based on the leader that you're playing, and they can do different things from like giving your... Uh, your what did I call them earlier? Your characters, uh, your character deck, like first strike or you know buffs like to de- to damage and attack or like dealing damage to the enemies, things like that. So, and then your your other deck, the one with the heroes or, or players or characters or whatever you want to call them, uh, that one is built completely out of uh, like like units. So you have you know different NPCs, so to speak, because. <laughs> There's so much to talk about in this gameplay. Uh, so you have these different like NPCs that fill up the deck. You can have up to 24, but as little as... I mean, I honestly think you can go... I didn't test the bare minimum limit, but I think you can go down to even just one. Uh, the way it works, though, is if you try to draw a card and there's nothing to draw, then you take two damage. So if you have a deck of just one and you try to draw your starting hand of five, you're going to take ten damage right off the bat. So not not a great play to go with. But... The the characters they all have an attack and a, a an attack status, uh, a cost and a defense status. Uh, damage carries over through rounds, so you can you know incrementally add damage to their you know characters, and they can add incrementally add damage to yours. It doesn't refresh through rounds, so you you know you can slowly pick off characters by playing multiple cards or sacrificing guys into them. Uh, but if a character dies, it receives a wound. If it dies a second time without the wound being cleared, it's permanently removed from your deck. Like, the character is dead. So oh, there's this there's this wild aspect, yeah, of like managing the characters. Yeah, the permadeath of the cards in your deck, which is wild because the cards play a huge role not just in the the combat but also in the stuff that's happening outside of the combat so there's like little paths that you explore on the world and those sometimes trigger scenarios where it's like you could try to rescue someone or you could try to fight someone or barter with people and certain characters in your deck might have affluential abilities to affect those story driven things too so you could have a character that's really good at negotiation and so you get a prompt that's like oh well they can negotiate with these slavers and free them instead of having to fight them but if that character dies you lose access to that negotiation and so you just have to fight the slavers like it's so wild the way the ludo narrative plays into this game that's entirely about like survival and everything because it it just like the the impact of combat extends well beyond just combat so it's super cool. The deck building in this is like there's a ton of consequence to it, and there's a lot of thought and like complex like complex design that's going on, especially with the two different decks that you're building at the same time. Really cool stuffs going on in this game, like gameplay wise. And and the focus is you know in the combat you're trying to bring your opponent's health to zero before you know you get to zero. Damage on your leader carries over throughout the whole game, so you have to heal your leader every once in a while, things like that, and. There's also a kind of resource management aspect to the game. You get food and, like, hope. And as you travel, it costs food and hope to travel. So those stats slowly decline. So you have to balance the paths that you're choosing in order to make sure you have enough resources to navigate through the game. A lot going on in the gameplay. A lot. (laughs) 
Uh, and story-wise, honestly, not really sure with this one. Um, super dense. Really, really dense story stuff. And it's all text-based. So it's all just, like, dialogue prompts and, like, you know, little scenarios that prompt up with, you know, this is what's happening and this is how you can react to it. And I am terrible with dredging through text, so I kind of lost <laughs> interest in following the text after, like, half a run and was like, I'm done. I'm tapping out. I'm just going to fucking play cards because the <laughs> gameplay was super engaging. <laughs> Coach, I'm here for one thing and one thing only, and that's to play the game. I came to play games and kick ass. I didn't come to read. <laughs> didn't come to read these plans, Coach. <laughs> Tell my English teacher I got a touchdown and give me a C. Damn right. <laughs> Uh, but there is there's a ton of like lore and world building throughout this entire game like it is constantly information after information they're talking about like npcs and like cities and stuff and it just constantly dumping stuff at you so like there is a lot of stuff here but you, if you really enjoy like dense story and reading a lot you might enjoy this but it is <laughs> it is a lot of reading that i could not handle <laughs> Uh, the sort of overall structure of the story is that you are you are playing as this as, as a prophet in, in nowhere, right? Like humanity is destroyed and you're in this like post anarchist hellscape where people are like slaving each other, you know, enslaving each other and like killing each other and ransacking villages and things. And you get the call of uh, like forsaken fallen robot, basically. And so you are navigating your way through these wastelands to get to the site to see what this sort of disembodied voice is calling you there for. It's like a last bastion of humanity and you're trying to follow the message and rebuild the world sort of thing. So there's, there's a lot going on in the story. Uh, minor spoilers. Uh, I only made it through one playthrough. Uh, it's, it's a fucking hard game. It's very hard. That's right, more spoilers. To avoid these ones, skip ahead to 24 minutes and 34 seconds. Uh, And I got to the end. Well, I got to the end twice, but I only completely cleared three times, but only cleared it once. Uh, you when you get to the end, you have to fight some robots guarding the the like entity that you're trying to get to. Uh, And there's like there's a (laughs) there's a shit ton of different endings basically from what i could tell uh because you can either submit to the robots right away and i think it just kills you and moves on you can fight the robots until you break the thing free basically Uh, when you break it free you then have two options you can either destroy the machine or submit to it and let it sort of like interlink with your neural network and like become a new sentient machine and when that happens then you're presented with two more options you can either use the machine to uh, sort of, like, continue this, like, lawless anarchy, you know, you become the tyrant, or you can rebuild the world with the power of the machine in your brain. And then, when you rebuild... I went with the rebuild the world one. When you rebuild the world with the power of the machine in your brain, you're presented with four more options. <laughs> so... <laughs> Of those four options, three of them require specific stat thresholds to meet. Uh, because as you go through the game, there are different, like, uh, like not gameplay impactful stats, or not combat, you know, that kind of impactful stats, but gameplay impactful stats. There's, like, Scholar, Altruism, and one other. Uh, and they kind of affect some, like, dialogue prompts and stuff, and they're affected with, like, how you interact with the world, whether you choose to free people or enslave them if you kill people, you know. 
there's a really cool one uh, where one of the guards in the city calls on you to collect the taxes from people. And so when you go to the people, it either gives you the option to force them to pay the taxes, even though they can't afford it, or to just let it slide. And if you force them to pay the taxes, you get a slaver debuff, which means you can't earn any more altruism points for the rest of the game because you have you have basically forced people into servitude. So, oh, you made indentured servitude! Congrats, yeah, the slavery yeah, yeah, yeah. happened! <laughs> so... Three of the endings require, like, those stats to meet certain thresholds, and then one of them is just like, oh, we'll make our city a civil, like, a trading hub, and, you know, you go through the whole, like, oh, everyone's trading here now, and it's a bastion of hope, and society's rebuilding, and all that. So, lots going on in the ending that I did not get to explore, but... It sounds like there's a lot to approach it, and a lot of different angles to approach it from, although what I would ask is, how would a game like this differ from other card-based roguelites on the market, like Slay the Spire? Oh, it's entirely different than Slay the Spire. I did not feel any sort of... Because uh, the way... So the way Slay the Spire works, right, is it's mostly... Um, I, I'd say this one's closer to Monster Train than Slay the Spire. Okay. If you're familiar with Monster Train. And the fact I'm that, not, like, you tell have... Me okay, um, so, the like, the core mechanic of Monster Train is it's about unit deployment and positioning. Whereas Slay the Spire is more about, uh, like, action cards rather than units. So hmm. the the way it works is it's based on putting units onto the board. The units are one-time use, and you don't get to reuse them throughout the fight. So if they die, they die. So it's about you know strategic placing when and where you're going to place your units and knowing what units your enemies might have and where they'll play them. So that that's kind of the focus of it is unit placement, um, where when your action cards come from your leader deck, which support the units. So that that's kind of the big difference there from like Slay the, Slay the Spire and other ones. Uh, and then, like, the whole permadeath aspect from it, and even they did a good job with, like, keywords and abilities and stuff and and position uh, and environmental things in the game that sort of give it a lot of variety that doesn't feel as as stale or expected from a game like this. That's so. cool. A L- little bit of a nation yeah. builder, deck builder almost. Yeah, kind of felt that in a sort of way. Um, that, mm. that, that's a good sort of way to describe it. Uh, it, it it's really good. So much going on in this game. The, and the themes. The themes are like... It, it's all about rebuilding society. You know, there's themes about, like, religion and its impact and that sort of, like, balance between hope and tyranny of religion. You know, there's there's conversations about, like, morality. And the whole, the whole fucking ludonarrative and structure of this game is just built around sacrifice. And, like, when is it appropriate to throw that survivor at a wall and sacrifice them and kill them for the rest of the run to get that last point of damage on the on the boss or or is it worth it to to play it back let a couple more people get wounded in order to save the person in order and take out the boss like so there's there's a lot Short of term really tough long decisions term. yeah mm-hmm, about yeah. like survival and sacrifice that just like plays into the core of the game super good <laughs> sounds pretty good uh sold me honestly honestly it's it's a lot though it's and that, that my nick picks are like it's there's a lot of text a lot of text and there's no accessibility settings or voiceover mm. for it at all there's a setting you can turn on to like auto finish the text boxes but you still have to like navigate through them which it, it doesn't help much it helps a little bit but you know saves 
two seconds maybe maybe a second on each text box and then the animations between traveling through areas whoo every every single node takes like boop 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 there boop 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 Oh. there so it is it is like it is a, a it's a wait to get to the next area in the next combat you can't just like click through this game you know which which sucks when you're in that like roguelike focus and it's like i just finished a run i'm gonna fucking get into this next one and i'm gonna kill it and then you hit a on the first area and it's like oh just gonna take a second to breathe click four dialogue boxes and now i'll fight let's go baby Dude, that's so, that's a that's a that's an emotion right there. It's an emotion, especially because the runs are long too. They take like three to six hours for a single run. It's not it's not in and out. So, Ugh. it's be ready to like sit down and saddle up if you're gonna play this game, or be good with like I'm playing like three rounds and then tapping out for the night. Like you gotta <laughs> you gotta be able to play it in one of those two modes. <laughs> take it as it is and, and bits and pieces. And misplays in this game are like, oh, they'll break a run. It is like y- you can you can be doing fu- flawlessly, like three three worlds in, doing great, feeling good about the run. Accidentally deploy a unit in the wrong spot, or like think you have damn you know lethal, but don't, and just like oh, four of my followers are dead now, and I have to rebuild my entire deck. Fuck, might as well start over. Like, <laughs> oops. All right, (laughs) GG, let's try again, folks. (laughs) So many times, so many times. I'd be like, I'd be like three, like three nodes into a game and like, I'll drop something incorrectly. Just like, fuck, I'm just going to restart. Like that's, that's going to bite me in the ass. I can't, I can't recover from that quick enough. So we're just going to just replay this one. So (laughs) a lot, a lot's going on, but it's a, you know, so j- just just to inform everyone, we've changed our recommendation section to savor or labor, just because yeah, great. we <laughs> like the savor or the labor. And I gotta I gotta say, this one is like this one is labor that I savored. You know, it is it is work <laughs> to play this game. It is it is not for everyone. It is for people that love complex games with like deep story that you can really dive into. If you're not into that, if you're gonna get you know, if, if if grinding isn't the kind of thing you like, you probably won't enjoy this game because, like, the deck building is complex. The, the fights require a lot of thought. Mistakes are punished really hard in this game. So it, it is very easy to be overwhelmed with everything going on, and it's very easy to get frustrated and, and upset with this game. So it is it is a labor of love. <laughs> that That is definitely... That's definitely an emotion that I felt, especially uh, in our next game here, actually. Uh, Blue Fire uh, by Roby Studios. This is actually their only game, and this is a developer from Argentina. I can tell that they really like this game because they're adding like free content updates and stuff to it. Uh, but the publisher here is Graffiti Games. We've seen them before. They were the ones who did the Kingsbird and Joggernauts and a couple of others, as well as uh, the one that we keep highlighting every time because I know that any, I'm not going to escape playing it. Uh, Turnip Boy Commits Tax Fraud, as well as Adventures of Chris, Bite the Bullet, stuff like that. Uh, so it's $20 with a free OST, this game, Blue Fire. Uh, and the story is that you are a little dude. 
in a big, scary, gothic world full of collectibles and monsters, and you gotta defeat things, travel through the visions, and get to the end of the game. I honestly can't tell you that there's much more of a story than that, because I didn't get very far in it, and the, the game starts out with just, like, a really quick cinematic of, like, a castle blowing up, and then you're just, like, in a test tube, breaking out, and then you're running around. Like, <laughs> it's sort of very light on the story, except for what you find in the environment. Uh, in that sense, uh, this game, it's kind of funny how many people, like, watching this game would be like, oh, this looks like X game, this looks like Y game, but, like, all of them are true. It it looks somewhat <laughs> like Wind Waker, and it kind of has a little bit of that Zelda-y feel to it. It, it, it has a Castle Knight sort of Hollow Knight vibe in terms of the sprawling levels that you have to explore and then backtrack through after you get new upgrades. Uh, also, especially feels like Hollow Knight just in terms of the finely tuned, and very fast-paced uh, combat in the game. It feels like Banjo-Kazooie because of this, like, you're just, like, collecting ti- millions of tiny little, like, souls all over the map. And you have these, like, little segments that you, you go into as part of the game called Voids that are, like, the one of the primary parts of the game. And they're, like, these little uh, Super Mario Sunshine-esque levels where you just get to, like, pr- focus on the platforming for a little while and you have to get all the little things in order to leave. And... And then it's also like Dark Souls, because you have to, like, crawl through these levels, you have to save at the checkpoints, and you can lose all your currency if you die, and then you don't pick up your body after you, you know, die and respawn. So it has, like, all of these little features and and things, but it kind of tries to do its own thing with them. And I will say that sometimes it doesn't feel super focused, and, like, the fact that there is no map in this game is such a big ah i like it frustrates me so much because i feel like what is here is potentially very enjoyable but it is so easy to get lost in this game it is so easy uh and like going into the easy mode in this game wouldn't even change that i I was playing on the recommended difficulty those are the the two modes in this game uh easy and recommended yeah easy and recommended that that's what you get (laughs) Uh, <laughs> I don't know what easy was, but uh, I, I can't imagine that it would help that much because I really just didn't know where to go. That's my issue. Or I didn't know what to do. Some, just, like, there, was a, there was a problem I earlier on. I love that is the names for difficulty. Just easy yeah. and recommended. Not like Here, easy this... and normal. Not easy and hard. Easy and recommended. Look, this is the one for babies because babies ask us to make it in easy mode. And then uh, <laughs> there's the one that we recommend. So play that one. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's what that says. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, the combat in this game, you, you, you dash around, uh, you got this jump in midair that you can do as well. It's actually better to dash and then jump. You can cover more distance that way and you have better control. Uh, you can dash pretty quickly, like one after the other with a slight buffer and you have to land first before you can dash again. Uh, so you can like dash around somebody really quickly if you wanted to and has a lock-on system like ocarina of time you know where you can like lock on to a person and then like kind of dash around them and the camera can freak out a little bit when you do that because it's a free roaming camera it doesn't have any specific angles that it needs to be in which for that reason alone i feel like it's not great for controllers i feel like this is a game that plays much better on pc or with uh something that can emulate a pc style of control because it's just like 
you just you just need that like fine motor movement uh, of where you're looking, where you're going, because it matters so much in the platforming and the combat of this game. Uh, yeah, but other than that, it's it's a collectathon, man. I it's, another Steam reviewer said that this was Gothic Banjo Kazooie, and I mean it's not wrong. You, you you collect spirits to augment uh how you play and give you like buffs and stuff. You get like items and weapons and tunics and special abilities that augment how you play as well. You collect souls uh that you then spend to uh get different things in the game. Uh one thing I'll I'll go about that in a minute about the elevators. Uh in fact, you know what? I'm just going to get into the elevator guy right now. The elevator guy is the single <laughs> most memorable part of this game. I love the elevator guy. He's a dick, and he just gets in your... Like, well, he's he's an excitable dick. He's, like, really excited. He loves elevators. He can't... He can't... He can't do anything else but focus on elevators. When you meet him, he's like, Elevators! Elevators! And he then gets in front of you and then you find him later on and he's at an elevator and he's like elevator pay me money and i'll fix it and it's like if you like elevators so much then fix it yourself but no he fixes it uh for you only after you promise to pay him back if you can't pay him in the moment which i couldn't because i died and i lost all my stuff so i had to be like okay i'll pay you back double elevator guy he's like elevators and uh, he fixes it for me, and he goes up. And uh, I I don't know why, like, that guy is the most memorable part of this game. It's probably just because it was the most, like, out-of-left-field part where everything else felt it was so expected. It was so, like, oh, I'm in a test tube. I'm breaking out. Whatever. Like, I had to remind myself what the start of this game even was. Because <laughs> uh, it, it kind of just bleeds together. After a certain point, you're kind of just like, why am I here? Why am I wandering around? I don't know. You know? And there's things on the ground telling you what to do, but but who put them there? I don't know. <laughs> elevator guy did. Elevator guy did. It's all elevator guy. It all comes back to elevator guy. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'd say that the dash button can be a little bit too fast, uh, like I said, for the camera to keep up in the close combat situations. The no map is really, really frustrating, and there are so many times in this game where I just felt like I didn't know where to go or what to do, and I feel like that will stop a lot of people in their tracks and that's why the achievement rate kind of drops off after a certain point with this game where like if you are willing to go through all of the jank and figure out where to go then you're probably going to get like pretty close to the end or all the way through but if you're Mm -hmm. just like me and you're just kind of having a casual playthrough and then you get to a point where you're like i don't know where to go this happens to me by the way all the time in ps2 era games where i would just be like i would have be having a good time and then i wouldn't be able to figure out like a critical mechanic like that i had to jump and then hit something and it it didn't explain it that way that well to me it didn't convey it that well so i just sat around for like an hour and a half trying to figure out where to fuck to go and then i gave up after a while that's what this game felt like in a lot of ways in some places where it's just like okay well i need to progress and i don't know how but i need to do something here and i don't know how so i'm gonna go wander around some other place and i'm gonna come back and then nothing to do and you know it's just because maybe it's because i'm an idiot but i i just these kind of games frustrate me because i just feel like i'm going endlessly in circles and not making much progress uh Mm -hmm. i don't know it's it's not the most enjoyable experience for me but that being said once you get all of the abilities and you conquer everything and you are like running around through these areas that you've been in before it probably would feel really cool just to like you know experience like the domination of this area that like previously gave you a lot of trouble but at the same time it's like 
it looks kind of bad too. Like it's not like it's pretty generic areas. You kind of blend together a little bit and it does look pretty in, at times, but uh, so many areas look so similar to each other and they kind of copy pasted with the, the stuff that I, I got really lost sometimes. So uh, for me, this one was definitely a labor, but I don't know that it would be a labor for everybody. I don't know that uh, everybody would have such a hard time with it. I think that if the idea of a fast, speedy, combat-oriented Banjo-Kazooie Dark Souls-style <laughs> Zelda whatever-the-fuck nonsense garbage sounds like a good good thing to you, then give it a try. I honestly think that you probably will have a better time than I, I had with it. I might be getting a little bit burnt out on some of these games, in all honesty, but I, I still think that uh, it was enjoyable. And it, I can definitely tell that the developers put a lot of time and effort into it, and uh, I want to give them the props that they deserve. Seems like a fun game. Hell yeah! If you were, you know, to get into it further than I did. Seems seems like seems like a a, a great game for someone with a mind's pie. Yeah, a mind's pie or an eye. Oh, like our next game. As far as the eye, this is a game from Unexpected. They also did Look Inside, which is a charming little point and click looking game. And it was published by Goblins Publishing, who did Banners of Ruins, Legend of Keepers, Snowtopia, and a bunch of other stuff. They've been publishing hard. This game will cost you $24.99 outside the bundle, if it's something that strikes your fancy. And it is a 3x roguelike. This one's an explore, expand, exploit, but no exterminate. You, you, don't, you don't get to do the murders in this one. Bullshit. Refunding. <laughs> I only I I paid for that extra X. Give me it. <laughs> uh, in this game, it's got it's got a lot of interesting mechanics going on it for like a three X game. It's got so the structure of it is you start on an island and you're given branching paths uh, to to travel to the next island. Your goal is to get to like the center main hub where your civilization exists at, and so each path requires a certain amount of resources to travel to. So you have to set up base on the island you're on. You, ha- you have a limited number of days to go through to gather up the resources you need and then move on. And so you kind of have to, like, plan out, well, I need, you know, X amount of wood and X amount of, you know, food in order to make this travel. So I have to set up my camps to, you know, mine or saw for wood and, and make food. Like, that's my focus on this run. And while that's happening... There's all kinds of sort of like random events that can happen to sort of halt your progress or give you bonuses or, or you know, kind of detract or complicate your progress in some way. And so it could be anything from like a thunderstorm strikes and now all of your buildings are on fire to all of your people got really sleepy and they just napped for the day instead of working. Or some of the guys working on the fields, you know, are bored. And so if they're there, they're going to get sick and suffer from boredom. So you got to reassign them to different jobs. So there's a lot of like really random elements or like a caravan's coming through town and you can meet with it and recruit a new person or get some resources that you might not have. It's got a lot of really interesting, like, randomization to it that kind of tweaks your gameplay as you go through. And the 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 sectioning of, like, moving from one zone to another is really interesting. It creates this sort of, like, dynamic of everything you collect in the main in the in the world you're on doesn't necessarily matter or won't necessarily come with you so you kind of have to focus on like well i i'm probably going to need food so i need to get extra surplus of food while i'm on this island that i can bring with me so my start on the next one's not as bad 
or like maybe I'll gather some extra, you know, sheep, you know, fur and ore because like the next area is kind of looking like that might be low on those resources. So I want those coming into it just in case I need to build something with them, you know. So there's this interesting element of like deciding what you're going to bring with you and having a limited number of spots to bring that stuff with you because you're you're limited with what you can bring by how many spaces your caravan can carry. So mm. if your caravan can't carry everything, you just have to leave those resources behind, which is another really cool element because if you exploit the land too much and leave a bunch of unused resources behind, it causes more natural disasters as you progress. So like ah. nature kind of fighting back against that exploitation. Super cool. Like a lot of really interesting things going on. And all of the people have skill trees. So each person can individually specialize in different areas and get buffs in those areas. Or you can kind of, you know, factotum them out and get them going in a bunch of different areas. So they have little buffs in a bunch of different areas, but can kind of jump around and do other things. So really interesting with like the, the progression of the characters, the progression of the caravan and the progression of the world through this whole thing. The story too is like, it, it plays pretty straightforward in that classic roguelike faction of like fa fashion of like it's a broad concept you know they're given some strokes of like this is the lore and what you're doing have some purpose but other than that it's sort of just you know have fun it's told through the gameplay you know what you're doing is the story and right. and that sort of core structure of the story is you're like you're playing the ancestors of this tribe who is always like sort of migrated and traveled uh, and you are trying to get your make your way to the central hub with like the resources and knowledge they left behind before the impending flood floods all of the islands moving up to that hub. So you have to get there, otherwise you drown on these other islands. It, it's really interesting. Uh, it, it talks about some cool stuff. Like it, we'll get into that in a second, but I never finished a run, so I don't know if there's more story bits after you get through it all. I'm sure there is. There's going to be, like, a cutscene at the end of, like, hey, you're reunited, celebration, like, everything's flooded, and we moved on. I don't know. I'm, I'm sure usually these kinds of games have, like, a, a cutscene at the end or something, something kind of to give you a little bit when you beat it. But I did not make it to the end. Uh, it's, it's The game's kind of a buggy mess. It's, it's a little... It's a good game. But there's a lot of, like, bugs with some of the abilities and stuff, and sometimes, like, weird things just happen that you don't know what's going on. And I kept getting a graphics bug. Like, my screen would just freeze. The gameplay would still be going on. I could click on things and hear it doing things, but the, the image itself was just frozen. Oh, so I'd have really to close rough. out, relaunch the game, and start playing again. So, whew, after, like five or six times of that like every five minutes i i gave up oh i, was like, oh, I can't do this anymore like it what? was working great for a while when i was doing the five. campaign stuff that's ridiculous that's yeah. so many there's so there's a, a brief <clears throat> campaign mode that sort of teaches you the mechanics and gives you more like lore and story uh, but that ran fine for me it was when i got into the like let's just play a game mode that it kept bugging on me and and that's when I finally tapped out because it was just too much. Damn. Uh, but the themes are kind of cool too. Like it is, it is honestly a real nice like non eco nihilistic climate change story 
because like so much of climate change right now rightfully so is very doom and gloom like we're all fucked you know yeah. But this story was kind of like a, yeah, we're fucked, but, you know, future generations are probably going to be running away from all of the natural disasters that we're causing. But, you know, we got a sanctuary. We build a beautiful, safe place where people can go to to harbor. So, like, positive, positive, making, making things work. We're not we're, so nihilistic. Like <laughs> We're trying to have a good time we're and a surviving. dying. We're not all dead, like. <laughs> yeah, no, that's so. That's nice. I like that. Nice I breath away positivity. from the eco nihilism. <laughs> yes. just, just very realistic positivity of like it's fucked, but it's not all fucked. It's fucked, but we can maybe try to do something about it. But like, we can have fun with it, right? We can, we yeah. can, we can outrun the flood. <laughs> we can outrun. We can run that flood. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, other than the game being super buggy, I absolutely enjoyed it. This was a this was a saver for me. I I tapped out because of the bugs. If they iron it out and patch it up a little bit or or maybe if I find out it was on my end and can work out the issue, then I'll probably go back and and enjoy this one. I think it's a really nice uh it, it's a fun and engaging loop that feels there's not a ton of variety in the re- like loops, but the the core gameplay feels good enough that like I want to replay it, and it's not as intimidating as a playthrough of like Civ. So I I could sit down and be like I want that like four X experience, but I don't want you know a six day long game. I just want something I can play in an hour and see where I get and kind of have fun with it. I'd I'd come back to this game and vibe with it. For sure. Hell yeah, hell yeah. yeah. You know I. I, I feel that about the need to iron things out, especially with this next game. <laughs> I think that there's a couple of creases on this one. It could have could used a little bit more time in the oven. This one's called uh, Cepheus Protocol. It was developed and published by Halcyon Winds. They have no other games. They're a developer based out of California. And this game is $15 with a free demo available. So you can actually try the game if you wanted to. Uh, give it a go after hearing about it. So the story of this game is that you are the U.S. military in San Francisco fighting off a pandemic called the Pangu virus. It just caused a rapid okay. mutation of civilians, yeah, into super zombie spreaders. So they're led by this patient zero character uh, who's sort of like a mother brain, and uh, your goal is to eliminate her and all of the other uh, carriers of the disease uh, using the army and uh, just generally trying to control the pandemic, all while minimizing civilian casualties and the damage dealt to the rapidly spreading threat. It's an RTS uh, similar to games like Company of Heroes and World in Conflict, or at least it was inspired by those games. Uh, the gameplay in this game, there are two available modes right now. Uh, there's Pandemic, which is sort of like the main available mode, and it is basically what I just described, where you're just trying to control the virus as it spreads emergently throughout the population. It starts in a different location every time that you start playing, so there's a little bit of variety every time that you replay. Uh, but your goal is literally just to build a base and mount a resistance against this virus threat and defeat the threat. Uh, so, I gotta ask, uh, yeah. you know, it'd be impossible to not talk about a game about, you know, viruses and their spread and everything. Without sort of taking a little peek at our current situation, is there any sort of, like, familiarity expressed within there? 
I think it's more so in the name because like you're so far removed from the action that you don't get to feel the ramifications of the virus or trying to contain it. I mean, you, you I will say that like from a systemic point of view, the, the way that this virus rapidly spreads out of control is terrifying. It, it's like it's like it just gets a hold of a couple of people and if you leave it alone for too long, then it'll spread to everybody and then you won't be able to control it anymore. And like that is relatable. Like that is kind of essentially what we're going through. Uh but at the same time uh i don't know because like it's just it's it's a little bit silly about how it goes about it it's it's just more about like you build the base and then you attack the threat and you prevent the people from dying you know it's pretty it's simple and it's in the way in its approach and not not so much like like the there's not people running towards the zombies like i want to get this because i believe that it would be a way to uh get one over on the government you know like that's not happening you know (laughs) so the way you're talking about it reminds me a lot about the sort of discussion about defcon in that idea of like you're launching it's about nuclear warfare and and that sort of idea that like you are so far removed from it that that all you're doing is pressing a button to send a nuke and you're like not actually seeing the damage or the casualties mm-hmm. or like and so it sort of shows this weird psychological element of war and the detachment is there kind of like that same sort of element of this like because you're in this like removed managerial view of the the pandemic that like it it kind of creates this weird detachment from the actual death and and impact of it i would say yes but not because the game intended for that to be the case because i mean like you can zoom in and you can like have individual control over like soldiers right but you can't like zoom into their perspective and see what the world is like from their perspective or anything like that hold on say say reframe part of that question for me again Uh, i i guess to to restate my question in a in a more meaningful way does the sort of detached element give any sort of perspective about that that managerial aspect inside of things uh, um, removed from the the actual casualties of right kind of event i mean in that sense I, I i i see the numbers and i'm like oh man people are dying but at the same time i'm like but i need to finish my base so they're gonna fucking die like whatever and like i i don't i don't see human life as like a sort of valuable thing in this game it's just sort of like whatever it's just numbers on a spreadsheet uh at the same time you can zoom in on a ma- like a micro level and you can be like oh that person just got infected and they're running around oh that person just got infected and now there's like a zombie running around and like 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 one zombie like infects like a whole group of innocent civilians and you just see like them kind of spread shot out like suddenly uh and like mm-hmm. that's pretty intense and that's pretty cool but uh, at the same time i feel like this game is better in concept than it is in execution i feel like uh there's a lot to be desired especially because uh, the only other mode here is Horde, and it's, like, super generic, where you just start with a couple of troops, and then you fight against endless waves, there's no civilians to protect, and you can't even save your progress in this mode, you, I, like, literally, I, like, I left it, and then it was gone, you just, you, you can't save it, um, <clears throat> and there's no other modes at all, there's no campaign mode, there's no multiplayer mode, there's no mod support available for it yet, it's still in early access, so, I guess these things are, are things that they're so, supposedly gonna develop along the line and uh, release but they're they're not available right now so i really just think that like the way that this game is right now it's an interesting experiment 
I'm not a big fan of RTS games, so maybe this just isn't my genre here, but I was bored. There's jank. The missing modes make it feel really hard to sell. The HUD is way too small. The text is near unreadable in some areas. It's just, it's overwhelming at times, and it's boring to look at. It's it, The building is finicky and awkward. I misplaced things a whole lot because of how things, like, snap into place or don't at all when when you're trying to place like walls down for example and you can have like gaps in between your walls because they don't like place down on each other perfectly it, it's just it's it's janky it's weird uh if this it sounds interesting to you give it a try but this was a, a labor a laborious uh task for me to uh to play this this time for this month so not recommended okay okay uh yeah but the the, the map the maps in this game they they weren't modular? that many. They're pretty pretty generic. Uh, they were not modular. Oh, that's dang. interesting. Well, if you want some modular maps, you should try out Cardo, a game from Sunhead Games. It's their only game, and it's a game this month in the Humble Games. There you also go. Also published by Humble those. Games. <laughs> so many games you, uh, that were uh, solo developers, uh, like their first mm-hmm. game. Which time. is nice. That's some good exposure. Yeah, uh, you, like you know that. the drill with humble games. They publish everything. They publish this. They publish more. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's there's too many to list. We've listed them a few times. We're not gonna bring uh, them up every time because they're 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 the humble developers. So. Yeah, we don't give a shit about them. They're not paying us. Uh, <laughs> oh wait, we are partnered. Fuck. Wait, hold on. We love you. No, humble. wait. Fuck. We love you, humble. <laughs> give us your money. Sponsored. <laughs> this is an ad. We receive money Please. from them sometimes, Please. but only when you buy. Only when you buy. <laughs> Buy from this game's going to cost you nineteen ninety nine, and has a demo, so you can try it before you buy it. I'd recommend it, because uh, it's, it's, a, it's a tile-based strategy game. So every tile is a piece of the map. You can pick them up, you can rotate them, and you can place them. The, the whole concept of the game is to move and arrange the tiles to create a map to explore and solve puzzles. That's, that's the game. That's it. Super simple. It's a puzzle game. Cormacant. Although, okay. <laughs> you know, I thought you were going to say nothing. Right. Thought, okay. I will say, I will say, there are some incredible ways that they use this mechanic as the game progresses. It seems real straightforward when it starts. Uh, and it's like, yeah, it, it's it's a simple mechanic. You pick up a map and you can rotate it and you can place it. Like, that's that's all there is to the mechanic. But they end up finding some really innovative ways to use such a simple mechanic later on in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say spoilers here just to, just to mention some, just in case you okay. don't want like the mechanics and puzzles, you know, spoiled. Uh, there's a, there's a point in time where you have to pick up the piece that you're on and rotate it. And then that changes the direction the wind is facing. So you blow yourself on this ice to change where you're going. Uh, there's another time where you're like actively picking up tracks of ice to kind of like slide around and rotate them to get through this sort of like puzzle as you go. Um, there's God, there's another one where like you have to make the shape of a fish to catch the fish from the lake. Uh, so yes, this game has fishing. Huh? Just yeah. Well, hey, <laughs> if it's got fishing, then it's got me. I'll be there. So, yeah, there's some really innovative ways that they use. There's another point uh, towards the end of the game where you, you there's a beam of light coming out of one of the map tiles, and you have to position and rotate the map tiles using the mountains to ba- bounce the beams to get it to a certain point. What? Like, 
things I never would have thought of to use this mechanic for that all of a sudden they're just like, boom, here's a way to use this that you, you wouldn't have even fucking considered. And so, like, it, it's really innovative the way they took this really simple mechanic and built on it and layered on it throughout the game to just, like, ways that you are mind-blown that they actually constructed to use this mechanic. Like, so, using the geometry of the world as a puzzle and, like, mixing it around and, re, like, twisting it to sort of solve these puzzles as well as, like, mm-hmm. just, just it, not, it becomes, not just for travel, but, like, also to, to, to keep, I don't know. Yeah, there's there's one there's one that like you you have to rote the map. <laughs> it's a safe. There's a fucking safe, and they give you a combination for it. You have to pick up the piece and rotate it like a safe. So it's like rotate three times clockwise, rotate four times counterclockwise, rotate twice clockwise, rotate three times counterclockwise. <laughs> so like you have to rotate the piece like a safe dial to open up the treasure chest. That's awesome. I love that. Super cool. Yeah, it's it's really innovative the way they find to use this one mechanic that is the entirety of the game. So uh the storyline, it's simple. You are the granddaughter of a cryptographer separated in the storm. You both got blown off a blimp and now you're trying to make your way back to her. And on the way back, you meet some friends, you meet some folks and you help them solve their problems. It's super simple. That's all there is to it. Like it's a wholesome, like, sh- fairly short, really good family story where you're just kind of helping people along the way to get back to your grandma. But there's one really dark part. There's one oh. real fucking dark part buried in this game. Oh my god, I have to what talk about this. I what? have to what? talk about this really fucking dark part that you don't okay. see and can easily miss. All right, spoilers. Okay. <laughs> yeah, spo- spoiler. But bring, bring, um, second time. <laughs> To avoid the darkest spoilers you will hear in all of Bundled Bourgeoisie history, skip ahead to 1 hour, 5 minutes, and 24 seconds. You have been warned. Beautiful, 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 wholesome family game. Uh, The first island that you go to, right, that you land on... Uh, you find out that their, their island tradition is once they, they come of age, it's like 15 years old, they, they get on a boat and sail away, and they're not supposed to ever return. Like, that's the rule, is you go on and you do your own thing. You find your way in the world, and you, you know, you, you build up on your island, and you, fi- you meet new people, and you travel. Like, that's, that's the rule. You don't come back. And then you get fucking towards the end of the game. You find the storyteller and the fucking beautiful book library that gives all the information about the world. It's constantly written by a magical typewriter. And you find one of the stories and you pick up the fucking book and you read it. And you just read the story in the basement of the storyteller's home. And it fucking says, it's like, and there's this island. There's this island out there where they have a tradition where, where when they come of age, they sail off and they don't come back. They're not supposed to return. And that was because kids tried to return once upon a time they came back they tried to come back but they'd get lost or their ships would crash at sea and those kids would fucking die and so their parents their parents to encourage them not to come back and to deal with the grief of the loss of their children came up with the with the tradition that you don't come back because if the parents just made that a part of the tradition, if the parents just said you don't come back, they don't have to realize that their kid tried to and fucking drowned in the sea. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
I read that. I read that. And I was like, what the fuck? Oh. <laughs> Wait, you re- you did you experience that firsthand? Yeah, that's a story. That's a story in the book. <laughs> this is legitimate. This is in the game. This is canon. I'm not making this up. <laughs> It was like the kids, they say that they tell the kids not to come back because it is easier than realizing <gasps> the kids tried to come back and died. They died. They like, died. Those kids died. There's so many dead kids and they just they so don't the want them to come back. So the parents are just like, you don't come back and you we can just back. live we with that. Wanna, we, we can don't want to know. We, we can don't live with know. that because that's what we said. We, you just don't come back and that's why you've never come to visit us. You've never come to visit us because you don't come back. That's what happens. You just don't come back. That's our tradition. You're, you're not dead. We, we just, we just, you just don't come back. What do you think what happens when cell phones are invented? <laughs> <laughs> you think they're still going to so, have that tradition? <laughs> so that's, that's the real underlying darkness of this game. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, that's, ter- that's terrifying. But that, I mean, it, it explains itself pretty well because it's like, how would you be able to find your way home when the world shifts like that? Yeah, and like it's 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 a really fucking good point too of the like, because the whole time too, you're, you're you're the the character you travel with is like, why does this tradition exist? This is so dumb. Like it's outdated. I want to come back and see my family. Like why would why would we do this? Why would we do this tradition? It's so stupid. I want to come back and see you and tell you of my travels. Do do you get to see so your you don't family fucking again? die? And if you do die, we can just say that that's why that but- that you just didn't come back to visit us. Is the tradition? Did do you, do you come back to visit them? She does. She does get to go back oh. and visit her family. She does it in disguise, though, to not break the tradition. Okay, that's good. Yeah. Okay, just so, wanted to make sure. Which Thank is really you. nice. The the kid does get to see your family again. It's I'm really happy wholesome. About that. Okay. And she was very happy about it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Spoilers! Spoilers done. Spoilers <laughs> the darkness done. of this game D- has been darkness. revealed. It has been revealed, uh, and my god, the darkness, the light has been completely drenched in in shadow. The the, the themes of this game. It's like it's all about like stuff about like cultures and their traditions and living in harmony with all these other existing groups and tribes of people because like everyone's just kind of vibing on their own little islands doing their own thing and like your characters going around meeting them all like yeah we're just gonna celebrate this and do this thing with you guys and do this and like it's all just about like a celebration of different cultures and their traditions and the usefulness of these traditions and whether or not they're needed and like what kind of tools and world we live for we leave for the 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 future generations because it's so great there's a lot of wholesome stuff there's huskies in a box like there's little little baby huskies in a box. Baby huskies in a box. That huskies sounds awesome. In a box. It's so cute. It's so cute. It's a great game. I I I, I don't have a lot of negative. I I don't really have anything negative to say about it. Like honestly, from what I heard about this game, this is a really good game. Like I've heard yeah. no, nothing negative about this game. Some of the puzzles are are like no no information given about them, and so they take a little bit to figure out. Nothing crazy complex. Like. If a kid was trying to solve it, it might be a little tricky, but mm. it was a good game. I, I really enjoyed this game. It is probably not something I would ever buy normally, uh, even after having played it. It's not like I'd be, you know, jumping out of my seat to go buy it. 
but I think it's a fantastic include with the bundle and like I, I savored every minute of playing with it and I'm glad it was included because I got to experience it and wouldn't have otherwise. And I think yeah. this game is great for anyone looking for that nice little like just chill, relaxing puzzle game, especially if you like have kids to play with and you want like, you know, some family time. It's a good family story. Like mm-hmm. there needs to be more yeah. good family stories in video games that are just chill Absolutely. little adventures. I feel like this this game is a good game for, like, a young kid to play with their grandma and be like, look, grandma, that could be you. <laughs> but look, you, you could be sending me away for the rest of forever. You could, be sending, you could be sending me notes. Wouldn't you love that, to send me away? <laughs> <laughs> love you, Gran. Like so uh, what's dead. your game, David? What's, oh, that's uh, it. We did it. That's all the games. Yeah, that's the game. <laughs> Uh, I mean, shoot, man! I like Super Liminal. That game, that yeah. game is fun. That game's got a, a style. It's got some pizzazz. I kind of knew that I was gonna really dig it even before I played it. Uh, just because I really like the mechanic. It's a really creative, unique mechanic that I've never seen before in another game. So mm-hmm. I, I, I value novelty, and uh, for that reason, alone, yeah. I really like it. I love that. I uh, I originally wrote Nowhere Profit. And then changed it to as far as the eye. Interesting. But I'm still kind of thinking Nowhere Profit now, maybe. I mean, you were really selling me on Nowhere Profit. I'm not going to lie. I I loved Nowhere Profit. I just like... Nowhere Profit's a lot. It's a it's lot dense, to take in. And it's a yeah. lot. And it's like... It is a game that I'm going to have to be like... I want to play Nowhere Profit in the future to play again. But as far as the eyes, like, I could see myself picking that one up constantly just to, like, get that 3X fix and just kind of have a quick fun run. It, I got to go with Nowhere Profit. I, I just, uh, it, it, but there's so much text. I have no idea what's going on in that story. I have no, and it seems like, it seems so good. There's a whole world there that I will never experience because there's so much text. If only they had, like, some Microsoft Sam asshole just to read it to right? you. Right? <laughs> oh. Thanks, ADHD. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how about both? How about how about both? You know what? How about neither? Super Liminal's my game too. Really? Fantastic game. Honestly, honestly, Fuck Super Liminal's yeah. fantastic. Let's go with it. Hey, well, more love for Super Liminal. I'll take that. <laughs> watch my this YouTube video. Charity. Oh, watch. <laughs> we're not at the plugs yet, David. Watch we're my YouTube there. video. Watch my, watch my super liminal there. YouTube video. Dude, I have a David, super liminal YouTube video. Please watch it. Please watch No, David, fuck the charity. David, watch no, my YouTube video. talk about the charity first, it seems like we're, we're just dirty capitalists. I am a dirty capitalist. Give me my money. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> this month's charity is World Reader. World Reader works globally with partners to support vulnerable and underserved communities with digital reading solutions to help improve learning outcomes, workforce readiness, and gender equity. Hell yeah. Give some books. <laughs> uh, what other games are you playing this month? Yeah, that would be a much better question. So, uh, I have been playing a lot of games. Uh, I have been playing... Oh, shit! I just saw one of those on your list. Oh, God, that's such a good game. Yeah! Sega Bass Fishing! The best game ever made! No, no, it's not that one. Oh, fuck off. (laughs) 
Well, I love Sega Bass Fishing. I played that on stream. I played The Last Fisherman and Frog Fractions. I don't know if you heard about that game. Uh, it's an edutainment game that isn't Frog an edutainment game. It. It's not great. You should play it. You should play it. You should play it and not even hear anything else about it. Uh, Wild Dive is a game that I played on stream very briefly. It's like this free little uh, first-person platformer that goes really fast. I liked it. Forza, I've been playing Post Void. Uh, That's really the one. surreal. Void is oh, fucking fantastic! I did not know so, you and played that game. So good, yeah. I I got so it real good. cheap and I played it a little bit on stream and it's so much fun. I mean, that game is like just an an acid trip and like every every little bit like you like you only have like five seconds before you die in that game and every time that you kill somebody you get like a couple extra seconds so it's literally just like you running to the end killing as many people as fast as you can being covered in just particle effects and insane like acid trip nonsense i was just about to say i've like 50 hours played time in that game but i just looked and i only have 55 minutes but that is how fast the games go like no it feels like i've been playing that game for hours because the gameplay is so fucking quick and tight yeah like i've done probably 200 runs in it so it feels like that long i straight up this is a great game for like if you're at like on break at work and you have your computer out and you could just like quickly just do a couple of runs like that that this has honestly been my 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 break game i really enjoy that and so good Final Fantasy fourteen. I've been playing that a whole, a whole lot. My my Bomgus adventures have been going forward, and uh, I I really like the Triple Triad mini game in that. I, I it's the card game that's like based in the Final Fantasy eight mini game, and like I've been running around the whole world collecting cards from people. Uh, but yeah, like so that's a thing in that game that if you didn't know, that's a thing you can do. Why the uh, fuck did no one tell me there was a card game in it? Yeah, there's an in-game card game, and once you unlock it, there's there's every bit, everywhere. There's you, there's people you can play it with, and then you you get cards from them when you beat them, and so you you can collect more cards, you can make your decks, and then when when you buy the game, you can you can verse against other people in triple triad as well. But you can't do it when you, in the free trial. So I'm just collecting as many cards as I can until then. Why so, has no one told me about this? Yeah, good question. Because it's the number one reason why I'm still playing that game right now is because I love collecting the triple triad cards. I love it. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if you know, but I I I really love card games. I mean, you know, you're a little bit of a fan. <laughs> <laughs> but it's really funny if you've never played triple triad before. It's like war mixed with tic tac toe almost, and there's a bunch of different like rule variations that are in this game as well. That like all the different NPCs have like different preferences for like their rules about what what, what they like playing with. Like sometimes it's like every time that you place a a thing that like ascends in value, then you get like an extra point for for that card. So like all the different numbers on each side are worth like an extra value you and so you can capture cards more easily i don't know it's hard to really describe it because it's it's a very kind of abstract card game but uh it's it's very fun and i really enjoy it also i've been playing other mmos i played guild wars 2 uh i also played some slime rancher on stream and that was insanely fun actually got a lot of views on that too surprisingly i really enjoyed that i'm going to come back to that and uh finally gardic phone have you heard of gardic phone no it's this game that my friend wrote me into, uh, and it's like telephone, but you with drawings instead. Okay. So uh, there's like this one where you do a description, and then a drawing, and then a description, and then a drawing, where like each person takes turns doing the descriptions and the drawings, and so it, it you know cycles through like a game of telephone. And then there's another one that we played, which was like animations, where you get to do drawings, and then each person, the next person to do the drawing and the animation, 
uh, only gets to see the previous frame, and they get to continue the animation. And okay. you, and so we, we made like a bunch of animations that way. And they, it's so wild because you don't know what's happening in the moment a lot of the time, but when you see it in motion, it like actually looks really fun. And like, it, it usually makes like some really funnier, silly thing happen. And it, it's always really vulgar as well. Cause of course that's the friends that oh, I play yeah. with, but yeah, uh, it, <laughs> it, it was lovely. I, I, I really enjoyed that a lot. Uh, yeah, uh, what, tell me, what games have you been playing? I'm sure after going through all of those, you must have uh, a oh, couple to yes. couple share. Uh, uh, yes, I have been playing Rogue Book. That's it. That's the, that's the only game I've played outside the bundle in the last like, three months. <laughs> I have mostly been playing Capitalism and Survival. <laughs> yeah, you've been hardcore on the, the real-life grind to get actual money. Yeah. <laughs> uh but rogue book is fantastic real real good uh card game roguelike it's they've got a so I, I i was on the grind real hard because they've got a competition right now where you can win an actual black lotus by designing cards uh so i think i have like a month left to submit my designs so i'm gonna submit some designs to try to win a real life actual black lotus yo dude do it that'd be so sick yeah. dude the black lotus is dope yeah, so I, I was grinding that to get like kind of the core mechanics down and understand what the game was about and, and make some cards. Good game though, real fun. We're just sitting here nodding, looking at each other like, "All right." I'm waiting for David to go. Watch my fucking YouTube. Watch my YouTube videos. They're on YouTube. Watch my YouTube. They're on my Twitch. We have social media links. Hey, come to our Twitter. Come to our twitch.tv slash backdab. It's my YouTube too. Uh, you can find the podcast on the Discord and the Spotify and everything. YouTube. Go watch my videos. Don't forget the Steam Curator page and the, uh, <laughs> the Twitter. And, yeah. and David has a YouTube. Uh, yeah, he's been getting have, videos have. edited from his streams. They're real good. We have a, yeah, from, from from my streams on Twitch. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this month's charity is World Reader. Uh, World Reader works globally with partners to support vulnerable and undeserved communities. That's such a w weird word to use. Um, oh, never mind. It's not a weird word to use because I'm fucking illiterate. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna cut this and fix it. Try that again. <laughs> World we. just so you know that that whole bit that whole bit is going in the outro that was fucking great <laughs> undeserved communities i was like damn world reader like fuck that's harsh. undeserved they don't deserve it but look at us help them <laughs> look we that's like 
like like if like conservatives if like they have a charity but they're like trying to make it so that they're not like they're not trying to look like welfare queens or whatever so that they're trying to have it be like anti-welfare queen propaganda we're but it's really like a charity. hitting on the charity aspect of this <laughs> well we're trying to give to people for free but only people that deserve it and we're not trying to lift them out of poverty because that would be welfare we're actually just trying sorry <laughs> just trying to imagine the logistics of that anyway uh